In uh, Proverbs 29, verse 18, the Bible says, and this is the wisdom of God, the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law or hears from God about this vision, happy is he. Where there's no vision, the people perish. So, man, let's say, I'm going to tell you, before I explain this, I want to tell you what I believe the Lord gave me as a title for today. Because I see there's some people in, in life, there's some people that are kind of like going in circles, not really doing much, and not really reaching highest levels of joy and peace, or just kind of existing. Well, the Lord didn't come that we might exist. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I mean, if you're just existing and you're a believer, something's wrong. You need to get in the Word and remind yourself, you've got a purpose, you've got a call, God loves you, you're here for a reason, He's pleased with you, right? You've got to get in the Word and erase all that junk the devil's trying to tell you and the world's trying to tell you, you're this and you're that. Don't ever let anyone mess with your self-worth. Don't ever let any amount of money mess with your self-worth, right? Come on, self-worth should not come from net worth. You're, you're worth something because of your breathing and because of who made you. You're just like these brand name clothes and all this. They're worth a lot of money because of who made them. Well, if you realize who made you and who your creator is, you'll never let all these other things mess with your self-worth ever again. You, you, you could tell, you know, oh, this is by so-and-so. Ah, no wonder it's worth so much. Well, guess who... Guess who your so-and-so is? Your so-and-so is the creator of the universe. And you have value not because of your performance, not because of how much money you have. You have value because you're His. Amen. Amen. And so the title of this message is, Why Are You Here? Why are you here? Most people are living way lower than the full reason they're here. You're here for an eternal reason. You're here for kingdom purposes. You are here because you are royalty involved with a royal kingdom under a real Lord, a real king, and you have a powerful plan and a powerful purpose. And we're going to talk about that. Why are you here? Not why are you here to, in church today, but yes, that includes it. But why are you on the planet? You like our graphic up there? See, that's you. That you looking up in this universe. Why am I here? Good question. And the reason we need to answer it is because without a vision for your life, you'll perish. You need a vision and a reason to live. I don't know. It's, it's sad. I, 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 I've dealt with it some in the last 30 years, but sometimes the suicide notes reveal that people had no vision, no reason for being, no purpose, nothing motivating them beyond just things maybe that were happening around them. And so we know the ultimate is you perish if you don't have a vision, but there's things even between the little and the big that can happen that don't have to happen if you got a vision, if you know why you're here, if you've got some direction for your life. And so man needs a reason to live. Now, one of the translations, go back please to Proverbs 29. One of the translations of this verse where it says, where there's no vision, the people perish. One of the translations is, where there's no vision, people become demoralized. 
And if you just think about it, it's quite simple to understand if you have no reason to get out of sin greater than the desire to sin, you're going to stay in that place where you're still subject to the sin and the habit and the addiction. But what happens if a greater reason comes on the scene and you go, wow, I like the results of this better than the temporary pleasure of this. Well, now you're not just quitting something, you're starting something way better. I mean, replacing the habit is really the way you get out of bad habits. You don't just try to quit it. You don't just try to stop it. You find something better that swallows it up. Something on a higher level. I'm, I'm willing to discipline myself for this more now than my flesh has been wanting this. Well, what did that? A clear vision. Something before you. A reason that overwhelmed the little thing that was keeping you on the low level. Now you're going to go to higher level because you got a reason to go higher. We actually taught a while back in the church, strong reasons to overcome. You are an overcomer. You have overcoming power, but a lot of people don't have a strong enough reason for their faith to come up and knock those low-level things out of their life. But when that reason comes on the scene, and you have to start seeing some changes, and you'll start seeing the power of God, and you come out, because now you've got a reason for it to come out. So... Um, the vision that he's talking about in this verse, you can see real clearly here, he's talking about God's law or God's word giving you your high vision, the thing that you're going to be motivated to live for. It, in other words, this vision that will make you happy. See that? And this vision that will keep you from perishing. You don't drum that up in your own. This comes from God's plan for your life. And before you think, you know, I don't know if I want God's plan. God's plan is so much greater than your plan. I guarantee you, he, he knows what you like more than you know what you like. He can promote you more than your brain can even imagine. He can help you get to places you can never even get to in your own power. His plan is so much greater than anything you could drum up in your own thinking. And really, the, the key is this. If you, if you want... If you want the best in life, before you start making all these powerful decisions about what you're going to do and where you're going to get educated and what areas you're going to step into, if you really want the best, you need to put something before decision. And it's discover. Find out from the book, in prayer, from your Creator, what He has for your life. Then start making those powerful decisions. Then start deciding which direction you're going to go in life. Then start making those decisions that will alter your geographical location or who you're hooked with. Many people start, doing, or start making decisions before they talk to God about their life. And that can be a problem because, man, what's worse? I mean... Can you imagine going through four, eight years of higher education in an area you weren't really called to? What's that called? A waste of time. Come on, man. We need to seek the Lord. Paul on the road to Damascus, when Saul of Tarsus was terrorizing the church, Jesus appeared to him, a bright light shone from heaven. He fell to the earth, and the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, right? And Saul said what we need to be saying. See, he was going down his road. He was going down his theological pathway. He had degrees. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the best teachers in the world. He was a Roman, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee. He had his life charted out. And he wasn't even close to the will of God for his life. 
And he met the Lord and he said, geez, Lord, what will you have me to do? I know what I've been wanting to do. I had my dreams, but you know what? I'm realizing <laughs> there's something a little more important than me doing what I want in life. What, Lord, do you want me to do? And the Lord started dealing with him about his life and about his future. Paul got on the right road. And we remember him thousands of years later. Not because he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews or a scholar or sat at the feet of Gamaliel. We know Paul because he wrote half of the New Testament, anointed by God, which we cherish today. And it all started with, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because you can do what you want to do. You have a free will. You can do, but the best thing you can do with your free will is yield it to God's perfect will for your life because He wants you blessed more than you want blessed. He wants you up more than you want up. He wants you successful more than you want to be successful. Life's too short to do our own thing. Sometimes people say, you got to watch out with kids too. Oh, just, you know, I'm just pursuing my dream and, and honey, you can do anything you want and I'm just pursuing my dream. Where's talking to the Lord about it come in? And one of the greatest competitors to you fulfilling God's perfect will for your life is what you want apart from the Lord. And you have to put that part of your life down if you want the best. So, um, the vision that he's talking about comes from his word. And if you notice, if we find that vision and we walk according to that vision, guess what? True happiness is going to come into our lives and overwhelm us. Now, most people think happiness comes from doing everything you want to do and getting everything you want. No, you'll find that's very temporal and very unsatisfying in the long haul. True happiness comes, lasting happiness comes from finding out what God has for your life, following that vision, following that plan. That's where true happiness comes from. Now, I know personally, I found out when I was um, about, I don't know, probably 13, maybe 14 years old, I look back and I can see my call to do what I'm doing today. My vision, the vision the Lord gave me, His vision, I should say, for my life. When I was about 13 years old, I would watch some... You know, like movies like The King of Kings, where there's a crucifixion scene, um, Ben-Hur, uh, other movies where Jesus was being crucified. And some, as a 13-year-old, I sat there as a 13-year-old Catholic boy, you know, watching these things on our family TV. And as I was watching those things, the Spirit of God would start dealing with me. I'd see that and I'd just weep and cry. I'd see what the Lord did for us as a little kid. I just, and so I look back and I realize the crying, the, touchness, the touching of my heart. I realize it was God saying, you're going to be in the full-time ministry one of these days. He touched my heart as a 13 year I knew, but I didn't have the church tr training that I needed. I didn't know. And so I just kind of grew up as a teenager, got into the whole party scene, got into the whole drug scene, got into the whole rock and roll scene. I mean, the devil will do everything he can to keep you from entering into your true purpose in life and why you're really here. He, did, he threw sin my way. He threw wrong relationships my way. He threw oppression my way. He threw all kinds of stuff because man, the devil wants you perish. But if you know God's vision for your life and you pursue that, you won't perish. You'll be happy. People want to be around you. You'll be a blessing going somewhere to happen. And so the enemy tried. And then once I got into my calling, the devil tried to get me out of my calling, out of my place, out of my vision. I mean, through everything from, from, from sin and, and, and wrong relationships and, and, and all these things and even offense. You've got to watch out about offense when you find out where God wants you. 
Because if you're where God wants you, you might be tempted to do something else someday when the honeymoon wears off. But I think, you know what, guys? I think we need to be such a family that we can work all problems out. We're not going to put anybody down. We're not going to make anybody feel bad for messing up. We're going to cover one another's sins. We're not going to go broadcasting. We should be the kind of people we can feel free to go to anyone in this family and share anything, knowing that we won't be condemned. We're not going to be put down. We're only going to be restored because there's nothing unfixable with the Lord. Amen? In an atmosphere like that, you have no fear of being honest because you know the ones you're going to be honest with are still going to love you anyway. This is something we need to really build in our church. We're a family. I know a lot of you may not know each other totally yet. That's why you need to get involved in a service team or a helps team. They're like little families in the big family. And the helps team, on the media team, on the worship team, on the housekeeping team, the landscape team, children's ministry, all these teams. You get in those teams and you can start building relationships with people that you, that you can love. They'll love you back. You can go through problems together, rejoice together, cry together, laugh together. It's wonderful. We're a family. Ain't going to let no stupid little disagreements break our family ties. We work things out. Because we have a heavenly vision. And we're not going to let the enemy move us out of where we're supposed to be. Because we don't agree all the time. And so, I knew I was called. I found out later after a lot of bumps and wasted time and all, all this. I found that after I got into a good church, after I got born again got into a good church, I found out what my calling was, and the temptation now was to jump ahead of the timing and to move into an area before I was ready for it. I thought I was ready for pastoring, but I wasn't ready for it. I knew years before I was going to pastor a church in Grand Junction that I was going to pastor a church in Grand Junction. Years before. I was tempted to jump the gun. I was already going to a church. And I couldn't start another church. I thought that would be disloyal. I wouldn't just leave this church and start another church on the other side of town. It would be weird. But I, I knew I needed to wait. And I did. And the doors opened. And God put me in this position. And I'm thankful that he did. 32, 31 years later, we're still here. And uh, we look pretty good for a 45-year-old. 45-year-old. <laughs> 32. Let's see. We were how old? Eight years old when we started pastoring? Or a little older than 45. But that's what going to church all the time does for you. It keeps you looking young. <laughs> I was getting my hair cut the other day and the, the gal said, she goes, I told her how old my grandson was. And she goes, no way. She almost like clipped my hair too far. So I was like, <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grandpa. I could be a great grandpa pretty soon. Who knows, you know? I mean, Hunter might get married in three to five years and... Nope, nope, 20 years. <laughs> if you are 17 years old and you say, Pastor, I love them so much, I want to get married, my advice is wait till you're 18. <laughs> A lot can happen in 12 months, right? You might want to wait till you're 22 or 5. Or... But anyway, so all I'm saying is I found my place, I'm in my call, I love it, and I wouldn't want to do anything else. But because I'm here doesn't mean everybody's there. I have to watch it sometimes when I'm preaching to make sure that I'm not just preaching things on the level that I'm at. I know there's a lot of people in here right now. You're probably wondering, what's my call in life? What am I supposed to do? I am so thankful that I can stand up here and say I'm in the perfect will of God. I love it. I've actually, when, when I tapped into this in the first few years of 
you know, helping out in the church and I wasn't a pastor. I was just helping, doing everything I could. I remember one time driving down the road and the presence of God got so strong in my car, I had to pull over. A presence came into my car and I just started weeping and crying. I mean, there was nothing in the atmosphere but good. No fear, no doubt. I could do anything. And the presence of God just overwhelmed me. I said, Lord, what is this? He said, I just want to tell you, son, you're in my perfect will. I can take all the money in the world, all the fame and all the popularity. I'll take that presence and that anointing over anything this world can produce. Just to know I'm where God wants me to be. It's powerful. It's, you talk about soothing you from the inside out. It's wonderful. But I got to thinking, well, maybe not everybody has found out their reason for being it. Maybe, maybe it's right under your nose and you didn't even know it. Or maybe you are doing it, but you thought you were just doing what you wanted to do. Isn't it nice to know you're doing what you were born to do? It's a wonderful thing to know you're fulfilling your reason for being. And the devil is a liar. He has told people time and time again, you're not worth much. You're not cool. You're not performing like other people. You don't have enough money. You don't have the right clothes. And all this makes people feel bad and devalue. You need to erase all that junk right now and say, no matter how much money I got, no matter how popular I am, no matter how much, what kind of brand name clothes I wear, that doesn't matter. I'm valuable because I am created by a really powerful Heavenly Father, and because He created me, I must be valuable. And if Jesus died for you, you must be really valuable. Hmm. All right, do this with me. Turn to another scripture in Jeremiah 29. In uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, and I believe this is out of the NIV. Could be New King James, but I think it's the NIV. Jeremiah 29, 11. Why are you here, church? I'm, I'm going to talk to you individually right now. Why are you here? Why are you here? Are you here to get a job, make a lot of money, go on a few vacations, and die? Or is there a little bit more to it than that? God says to every individual on this planet, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew you before you were born. And this scripture says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's why you're here. God's got a plan for your life. And it's not to harm you. It's to give you confident expectation of the future. You have a bright future with the Lord. You're not just going around in circles, spinning around, getting dizzy. you got an amazing future. Yeah. Say, God has, God has a plan for me. Say this, I'm not an inconvenience. I'm, I'm valuable. I'm God's got a plan for my life. And what is it? It's to prosper you. I don't know if I believe in prosperity. Then you don't believe in God's plan for your life because your father's a really good father and he wants you coming up. You know one of the reasons? He, you know the reason he wants you coming up? Because he loves you. But another reason he wants you coming up is because he wants you to show others his love in your life. One of the greatest things you can do in life toward the people around you is just be a success in God. And then when they want to know how, you got the peace, you got the joy, and everybody else is falling apart, you can say Jesus. Now, Acts 9, I actually already quoted that to you. Turn, turn to Proverbs 14. Do y'all realize the Lord's plan for you is amazing? And before you just start making decisions and going out and getting education in this area and moving over here and doing this and doing that, pray a little bit. 
pray a little bit. Discover what the Lord has for your life. And again, I want to say this to you. It's not far from where you are right now. You might even be involved with a lot of it right now. But I believe through this teaching and a couple of maybe in the future here that we're going to talk about, especially next week, some things are going to be cleared up and fine-tuned. And you're going to realize, I have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. That's the book of Esther. You have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Don't wish you were born in a different era. You listening to me? Because the people of that era wish they were born in a different era. And it, it just goes on and on and on and on. You've gone through stuff. You've hit brick walls. You've hurt. You've been through pains. And you've been through challenges that are uh, consistent with this age that we live in. And God brought you here. You're getting through things. You're overcoming. And you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. You've experienced things people in this generation need to know they can get through as well. You're, you're not a mistake. You didn't just happen. God wanted you here. And he has a plan for your life. Whew. So, Proverbs 14. You can do your own thing. Look at verse 12. You do not have to follow God's plan for your life. But I like to say this, and I say it as gently as possible. You're dumb if you don't follow his plan. I, mean, I was dumb for many years of my life, and I've been dumb since then, but when I veered off. But, friend, the best thing you can do is what the Lord wants you to do. And we're going to talk about that. There is a way that seems right, feels right, looks right. Everybody says you should do. It seems right unto a man, but what's at the end? See, you need to ask yourself, what's at the end of that plan? Is this just a temporary he-he-hoo-hoo-ha? Is this just a, a, a temporary satisfaction? Or is it leading to eternal destiny, power, victory, glory, brightness? Don't just look at the road. Look at what's at the other side. God will tell you. And if you're just doing what you want to do and what you feel like doing, what's the end of that? It ain't good. You have no guarantee that your way is going to be good in the end. But God's way is amazing in the end and in the process. Even though at times you may find yourself having to say no to a few desires or say no to a few wants in your own being to go with the higher road. So just remember, there is a way that's going to seem right at times. Oh, it's going to feel right. Well, we're not led by feelings. We're led by the Spirit of God. We're led by the Scriptures. We're not led by just what we want. We're led by what He wants for our life. And remember, it's to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. So there is a way that seems right, but the end thereof is the way of death. Acts 26. Acts chapter 26. Now, what I mentioned here is, has to do with you individually. And I also want to bring it into this point now. This has to do with the church you're in right now. Our church. There's something that heaven wants us to do. That may be different than what we want to do. You know what I mean? Apart from what we know is God's will. What does God want you to do? Now, now as, we start, as we start talking about doing, just remember, all your performance is not going to increase your value to God one bit. You're already as valuable as you can possibly be. More than any amount of money could purchase. He shed his blood. Your value because of who made you and who you are. But we do have something to do. And I found this out, that if, you not, if you don't understand that you're valuable because your Creator made you valuable, no performance, no amount of money can change that. Mm. 
No amount of mistakes can change that. You're still valuable. Your performance is, has nothing to do with your value in God. But you're gonna, I found out as a pastor that if people never discover what God's called them to do, they live under a cloud. They know they were born for more. They know there's a greater purpose in life than doing what they're doing. And you can have tons of money and be totally depressed. Because you're not aware of the fact that there's a heavenly vision for your life, not just your puny little dreams. You know what I'm saying? So look at the Acts chapter 29, verse 11. Paul is talking about his visitation with the Lord before he... You know, when he was a terrorist, the Lord visited him and became an apostle. So look, please, at Acts... Is it, is it Acts that I said, 2619? Do you have that one, Lucas? Huh? 2619. Paul's talking to the king because Paul's under question. He's brought before the court. And Paul said, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I, Paul the Apostle, was not disobedient unto what I felt like, you know, I was supposed No. He was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So you can have your vision, you can do your thing, or you can have heaven's plan for your life and really start living. And get out of this, well, I don't know if I'm in the will of God or not. I don't know. I just You can know. So what are reasons people need to go to church so you can hear from the Spirit of God under the anointed leaders that He's bringing into your life to watch over your souls? And you need to pray and you need to read your chapter because it'll get clearer and clearer the more you spend time with God what His heavenly vision for your life is versus my dream. Sometimes you need to chuck your dream and realize there's a better dream from the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, one more scripture before we close. Go to Revelation 4. And I want to talk about this just for a minute. And then we'll finish up here. Actually, two more scriptures. I'm sorry. Revelation 4.11. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to go ahead and um, put up the King James, of course, Lucas. But then I'm going to tell you another translation here. I believe it was NLT. This is um, in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you have created all things, including man, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Now, I personally don't know every one of you. I, I, I don't know all the specifics of how you got here. I don't know if you were planned or what some people call a mistake or we weren't expecting you or maybe there was a situation beyond, you know, the normal family. Um, no matter how you got here, God wanted you here. Because he wouldn't have said be fruitful and multiply if he didn't want a family. You are not here just because somebody biologically had sex. You are here because God told man and wife to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. You are part of God's plan. No matter how, how you got here physically is not the big... You didn't come from your mom and dad. You came through your mom. You need to understand that you, there's something higher going on here. And even if it wasn't perfect in the natural, God wanted you here. And he wanted you here because he's pleased with you. 
You were created because God wanted a family and He wanted you in it. He's pleased with you. You're valuable to Him. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to provide for you. He's got a great plan for your life to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Yes. Amen? Yes. I mean, if God had a refrigerator, your picture is on it. <laughs> Amen? He's going, that's my baby. He wants to see you before him. He loves you. He cares for you. He's pleased that you're here. One translation of this verse says that everything God created was made because he wanted it. You are wanted in the good sense. <laughs> Not the poster on the post office. You're, you're, you're wanted. You are needed. You are wanted. You're valuable. You're here because God wanted you here. Even if how you got here was messed up, you're here because of be fruitful and multiply, and you're here because you are wanted. Yes. Say this, I'm wanted. I'm wanted. Say this, I'm valuable. I'm, valuable. I'm, not I'm not an inconvenience. I'm the offspring of God. That's good for your spirit right there. What are we doing? We're clarifying the reason you're here. Why are you here? Because God has a vision for your life, and it's powerful. And if you'll see it more and more clearly, you'll miss a bunch of unnecessary adversity. You won't perish, and you'll be, get something Hollywood can never give you, true happiness. How many are glad you can be happy even though you haven't watched a comedy for a while? Even because you don't have a mansion? How many know you can be happy because of who created you? And because you know God's with you in this journey. Yeah. One of the greatest things you're called into is 1 Corinthians. I believe it's... Um, I didn't want to go to this scripture because of time's sake right now. Oh, where is that scripture? 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful. He is the one who has chosen you to share life with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So one of the core reasons you're here is so Jesus could hang out with you. Be your partner. Be right there by your side while you're doing whatever He's called you to do. And you may not know specifically what you're called to do, but look on the inside. What, what, what does your true, honest heart gravitate toward? What has He gifted you in? These are things you can discover and start realizing. What do you have a heart for? What unlocks your compassion and your deepest joys? That's an indication you're heading toward God's vision for your life. You know, we, in the church here, we have a helps team. And, and a lot of times, in getting started, you have to do this. We put people wherever the need is. I mean, whether they're gifted or not, please do your best and help that out. But we're coming to a point now where we want people, we want to put people where they have a heart for something. Where they have a desire for something, a gifting for something. Because then, you got a happy person working, not just somebody doing their job. Right? And, uh, you know, one of the announcements today was... I, we want to get out of some of these positions of graphic design. And um, even though you can learn those things and have fun with them, there's people that are actually gifted by God to be a graphic designer for a church. Yeah. Great that they've got a business out there. But man, use your talents for the church. The Bible says we need to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God by ministering our gifts one to another. 
So many people in the world are not using their gift at all for God. And God gave it to them to build up His body. Sure, use it in the world. Yes, have a career. But the primary reason you and I are gifted is to bless the work of God and to help edify the body of Christ. Some of these singers in the world, are you kidding me? They are gifted of God to bring praise to Him and to help His church to be strong and vital and blessed and, and effective in these last days. And they aren't using one stitch of their gift for the Lord. It's all for them and worldly things. And we're not supposed to do that. But there's some things that we have to get out of. We've got to get staff out of the video department. Got to get somebody in there who has a heart for it. You know, I guess that's the top of the list for me, although we need some qualifications. Maybe that would be nice if it would be a better start. But if somebody's got a right heart, you can train them in Final Cut Pro. Adobe Premiere, After Effects, whichever one you like better. <laughs> but you, you can train, you got a right heart, you can train the natural stuff, but you can't train a heart for, a passion for. And so the Lord said, relieve yourself and release the people. So we're going to do that. Let my people go. <laughs> we're going to let you go. We're going to let you run with what's on your heart. As long as you stay under the prescribed vision and the core values, let's just run with this thing. Let's, let's see your gifts come to fruition. Let's, let's broaden our vision. Let's increase our ability to reach our valley. And that ain't going to happen if a few people are doing everything. So you know what I had to do? I had to say, I'm not afraid anymore to let the people run. You set the budget for your department. You hire. You buy. You do. As long as it's under the prescribed vision, as long as it's under the core values, have fun, church. We're on a, we're going, we're going on a good road here. We're going to see some increase. And it's going to be awesome. Final scripture, Mark 16, tonight, that, for today. Oh, did we read that? Do you see where he wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision? You got that. And we got 1 Corinthians 1 9. Okay, so finally, well, that was way back then. Revelation 4, we got that. All right. <laughs> We're making progress. Final scripture today is Mark 16. Carla brought this out in our prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And it's some, some things we'd heard from the Lord and the meetings we were at a couple weeks ago in Summerlin, Nevada at the Supernatural Leadership Conference. And in Mark 16, if you would please look at verse 15, and we'll, this will take us into next week. Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now we know the ye in that verse is all of us because they couldn't go to Grand Junction. Grand Junction wasn't even here back then. So this couldn't even been fulfilled without us. We're in Grand Junction. We're in Colorado. Go ye means go us. This is our realm. This is our domain. This is our responsibility right here. And as I was thinking about that, I think it, the word world in this verse right here, most people, I think, think of geographical locations. The globe, China, Africa, Asia, India, Pakistan, right? Well, it doesn't just mean that. As a matter of fact, this verse here does not mean terra firma. Okay, this word world here is cosmos in the Greek, and it means social system. Things that are around you every day, areas of influence where people gather and where people, you know, live their lives according to. 
This is talking about going into your realm of influence. There's about seven of them. And we're going to talk about some of these next week. There's the education area. There's the entertainment area. There's the political arena. There's the family. There's religion or the church. Um, there's a few others. Do you remember all the rest of them? Um, media. Uh, there's these seven like mountains that we have access to right now. And that's what we're all supposed to go in with influence in those areas of what God's doing in our life. You have the potential to go into your world and we're going to equip you and help you to do this on a higher level and influence people with, for Jesus. Amen. With what he's doing in your life, shining in that area that you're going. These are huge areas of influence. The devil and all kinds of weird people have influenced these areas while the church has just kicked back and said, we don't want anything to do with TV and, and we don't want anything to do with the education. Let's just, they're, they're going to, no, we need to influence. You're already in those areas. We might as well Preach. While we're there. And remember, one of the best ways to preach is just live the Christian life. And then when they start asking about the hope that's in you, you can start answering them why that hope is in you. Let's stand up before I go much longer. I always got next week, right? (laughs) 